Hello and welcome to the RPG Academy's Show and Tell. This is Tom, and as you all know, Show and Tell is the show where we like to bring on cool guests to talk about something cool that they are working on. Today's cool guest is Jason Duff, and we're going to be talking about his new and upcoming game, Heroes and Hardship. So, uh, welcome, Jason. Thank you for having me. Uh, no problem. So you reached out to us because we had a mutual connection and we were just kind of talking about how like tiny the RPG world is. It really is, especially when you start working with, you know, freelancers and other, you know, people. It just you instantly get paired up with people that you might not have known or known of or yeah. So it's like so being an indie uh, you know, uh, independent creator. I do not, I am very clear about this. I do not make games. I do not want to make games. I want to play games. I want to enjoy what you all are making, but I know that that's, this can be a, a hard thing to do. And before we really dive in too much about your background or thing, tell us sure. about, uh, maybe what are some other things that you've, you've made Is heroes and hardship, your first big game. Have you done some supplements? What's it's, uh, it- it, it it would be our first big game, I guess you could say. Uh, I, I started in 2019 uh, publishing games um, or really uh, supplements for other games, uh, particularly adventures. Um, at the time, I didn't know that it would be anything other than me just kind of doing that and playing around with it. Actually, uh, I released a game called Forever Winter for um, uh, Shadow of the Demon Lord. Uh, in the Disciples, uh, uh, the Disciples of the Demon Lord program, that was the first game we ever released, and it was just kind of a few of us um, that got together and did some writing for it. And you know, it, <laughs> you look back at, at games like you do, like you know, back then you're like, oh man, I wished I would have done this and this and this and this different. But um, you know, uh, that's where we started, just writing kind of um, supplements uh, for other people, uh, just kind of. And uh, really, what that did for me is help me learn. Oh yeah, you know, how to do this? How, how do you lay out a book? How do you, you know, what do what do I need to do? Right, and all these things. There's so many things that you get from doing your own work, like you're saying, layout, how to source art, you know, different like web store, all these different things. So. I, I yeah. saw all speaking of web stores. I saw on your website you've done some mothership stuff. I have. Yeah, we have um we have two mothership modules. And uh, you know, we've and this is actually uh that's kind of that started a thing that I had never done, which is sell to retailers, right? Oh. So retailers, you know, wanted the physical books and they're like, Well, how do we get the physical books? So uh there at first I was selling them print on demand copies from Amazon and I realized that obviously that was not the most cost-effective or probably the most quality product I could give them. So I started doing digital printing with uh, Maxim, uh, Meaxim. Uh, so sending them zines, and I just sold a bunch to Exalted Funeral and Tuesday Night Games. Okay. So then, so then that's kind of like game design, which you've been doing last few years. So let's go all the way back then, because uh, it's first okay. time on the show. How have you? Yep. How did you get into games? How long have you been playing games? What was the first game? Yeah, it's, uh, as far as I remember, I, re- I remember uh, a friend of mine uh, and we were like on the bus and we were kind of telling these stories to each other about, I think I think it was Lord of the Rings, actually. I, I don't know why. I think maybe we had just both read Lord of the Rings and you're talking like sixth grade or something. And it was just kind of a narrative, like back and forth role-playing, you know, uh, what would you do, you know, if Gollum came and did this, you know, that kind of thing. And then um, somewhere along the way, we found uh, AD&D second edition. And so we started doing some, some of that. And I remember very distinctly when I, when I realized I was doing the, the, the rules completely wrong with, with something, you know, um, and, uh, yeah, kind of from there. And then, uh, a lot of GURPS back then too. GURPS. Uh, GURPS. Okay. Yeah. I mean, this is, a, I'm a universal system guy. Okay. Right? So, I want to get into that. So we were, we were doing some GURPS, um, there and I, I really liked, I liked a lot of that. Um, and then, uh, and, and, and that was like high school, and then I started doing something called a multi-user uh, 
hallucinations or what they're called. So mush is what it stands for. Shared hallucination. It's like a mud only it was just role playing. Okay. So I did that for a long time. Then I did play by post and yeah. And then until here we are, I guess. Making your own stuff. Okay. Yeah. So it's so funny. You mentioned GURPS, like that whole, like, I, th- I think I've seen so many rumors going around about like the next season of Stranger Things. They're going to be playing GURPS instead because uh, <laughs> they're at that point in their life, you know, at right. end of high school, you know, or getting right. into high school, wanting to try something new. So that's, that's funny. funny. Yeah. So, okay. So, wh- right, Heroes and Hardships. You mentioned Universal mm-hmm. RPG System. I want to yeah. talk about that in detail, but like if you were to just summarize, what is the elevator pitch for Heroes and Hardships? Uh, Heroes and Hardships is a universal role-playing game system. Uh, it, it's different than other role play or other universal uh, systems in that it uses uh, a dice pool system mechanic, a rolling keep mechanic. It has um, hundreds of options for what you can build. It's classless. Um, it's a it 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 is different in that it although there's tons of options i feel that it is not so overbearing um with how many skills there are and and that sort of thing obviously it's a skill-based system but uh whereas something like gerbs has hundreds of skills and they're very very you know very specific like finance yeah right it, it we don't go that far, right? It's us would be lore or something equivalent or career. There's a career skill um, where I think, I think it's, it's, it's more playable than some of the other universal role-playing game systems. Um, and it has a, a gritty element to it. It has a ton of option, optional rules to play the way you want. Do you want like huge fantasy, you know, over the top games, or do you want kind of a gritty simulationist uh, sort of experience? And I think that we offer both those. Okay. So just so we're kind of being um, really just, an entry point for our listeners into mm-hmm. universal role-playing game systems. Yep. For me, um, I am really familiar with Fates and then Open Legend RPG, which are very much not like skill-based systems. It's more yeah. of, um, it's it's more story-based systems. Yes. So, but what mm-hmm. would be? Give us some examples of maybe some other famous universal systems or systems that people may not have heard about. Uh, yeah, uh, Savage Worlds is a is a pretty popular one, and I think I think um, I think you take the universal systems and you kind of can split them in half. You can you can split them in half where uh, some of them are more um, theme based than they might let on, um, based on just kind of things that are in the system, like cipher system. So cipher system, in a way, is a universal system, but the cipher. Uh, aspect of the system makes it not as actually universal as you know it could be um, because of just the way that mechanic works in that system. Uh, and then there's other. You know, I, I would say Savage Worlds is is your is your you know pretty much your most mainstream universal system that there is. And then there's GURPS kind of more towards the end of simulationist, yeah. uh, very crunchy style. And then on the other end, something like Fate, where it's more narrative based, um, kind of comes from that, you know, the evil hat kind of style of gaming. I want to see like um, a research. It's so like... I'm, I would consider myself a newer gamer because I don't have all the history with the older systems because I've only been playing since 5th edition came out. And that's when okay. I've kind of, I dove in head first. But I yeah. want to see like a resurgence of GURPS. I want to see like a resurgence of that real gritty game. Well, I have something for you though. Okay. Uh, that's that's kind of in between Savage Worlds and GURPS as far as as far as that goes. Okay. Right? So why call the game Heroes and Hardships then? Well, it's um <laughs> so I didn't want it to be an acronym like GURPS. I didn't want to like steal that yeah. or, you know, uh, you know, it, it it is something different, right? Um and and hardships is kind of the first part of it I came up with because um here a hardship is a mechanic in the system um to uh essentially it's it's your penalty um with various things happening to you either wounds or situational 
And so I had that part and I was just kind of, well, what is it here? Heroes? Well, you know, our system is, you know, very important to me and, and the system itself is to let you play anything you want. So you're the hero, make the hero you want, um, play any way you want. So that's kind of kind of how it came together and it kind of like rolled off the tongue. So, you know, as heroes and hardships. So, okay. Yeah. So then give us, um, I want to talk about like an individual session, but I also want to yeah. ask you, I, I usually, this wasn't on the question list. I always tell people I kind of, I throw in these little surprises. All right. All right. So, uh, I want to ask you, give us an example of a campaign or an adventure that you personally have ran for people with this. I can do that. Um, so let me think of a good, a good, oh, here, here's a great example. So I was trying to, and basically what I, what I do is um, when I play test, I do it in a way, I try to do it in a way where actually I'm playing the game. Right. I'm not just sitting there by myself running numbers. And I do that too, but like, and then just trying things on its own. But really, I like to do it in play because people will come up with things that are totally not, I'm not going to think of. Yeah. Right. And so, what I did is I, I was like, well, one of the things that I proposed that this game can do is mix genres at the same time. So, what I did is I, I, I ran a campaign and it was called, um, Oh my goodness! What was it called? Uh, I'm I'm losing I'm losing what it was called. But anyway, it was um, it was the the premise was that people were from different places. Either they're from fantasy, sci-fi, realistic, you know, semi-realistic settings, and they all kind of got pushed together in this kind of interdimensional, uh, intergalactic kind of story, where uh, you know they would do things like. And, and like some of the uh, fiction of Earth was real, like they went, uh, they were on uh, a Star Trek ship and they were attacked by Klingons. And the next ship they went to, or the next session, they went to an 80s uh, sorority party uh, and they had to like navigate like political type of things. And then they, you know, they were in uh, Lord of the Rings trying to steal the ring from Frodo and they kind of did all these kind of multi-genre hopping kind of uh, sessions. They um, they tried to bring down Steve Jobs one session with the help of uh, Bill Gates. It was you know just yeah. kind of all, all over the place, right? So and and it all all worked very well. And that was in the middle of playtesting. We kind of did that. So yeah, a little mix of everything then. Yeah. So then what? So uh, I. This is a tough one because I, I feel like I sh should ask you about the core mechanic first, but I'm not going to. Sure. I'm going to ask you, so what does a session of Heroes and Hardship looks like? So we all kind of have this idea of, I think the, well, I hate to use Dungeons and Dragons as the example all the time, but it kind of is yeah, the base mm -hmm. where people sit down and play D&D and they, you know, they expect to, you know, have a goofy scene, maybe go into a dungeon, kill a bunch of monsters and roll get some loot get some and, loot so what does yeah. a session of heroes and hardship look like and what is that what kind of game are you trying to evoke i th i think that's i think the thing that uh, this game can do for people particularly with you know the tuning of the optional rules is you can play any game you want right well the way i play the game it may be different from the, what you do Right. Um, I know that I prefer a lot of role play in my games, um, you know, and, uh, you know, sure combats there and skill checks are there and all that stuff can be done. But it's really kind of how you want to play. Do you want a long, very tactical combat experience? You can do that. Or do you want to make it shorter, make it easier? Uh, you can turn on some optional rules in the system and make that exactly how you want to play it if you want to play it more narratively you can um you know i, I try to very purposely um have the optional rules in there to play the way you want so i'll give you an example if that's okay. yeah yeah no for sure so one of my play testers ran a game okay he ran a campaign for me and, and heroes and hardships and this was a, a lord of the rings second uh um uh, second age game okay and we were elves and he did not typically use like the gridded 
uh, combat, like the, the hex grade combat, he would do it kind of more narratively. Um, and, and it worked great. And that was just a completely different way to run that, you know, a combat like that. Um, but yeah, I, I, I feel like whatever you want to do with this system, uh, you can now it's a traditional game versus say like a narrative a narrative game right but i feel i've always felt that you do not need uh the system to tell you how to role play okay right um that you can just you you just role play uh within the bounds of the system now in certain settings and and expansions that will come maybe there will be things like um you know intrigue based combat or something where people maybe who don't feel as comfortable actually role-playing their character can still kind of get that you know um role-playing you know uh sense of of you know convincing people and that sort of thing through mechanics instead of you know talking or whatever you're going to do so okay um you mentioned something that i did think was really interesting after i was kind of browsing some of the stuff you sent me this whole idea of power levels and I think yeah. this is, I can't think of a game that's kind of has this sort of tiered, right. this, it's, dip, it's a, it's a, I would consider a new style of tier based play where you have these different, these three levels of power that kind of inform yep. the type of campaign. Can you talk about that? I sure can. Yeah. So, and in, in other games, you might get um, to build your character with more points or start off at a higher level. But the, the thing is that the world around you doesn't change when you do that, right, um, in those games. So uh, what we've done in Heroes and Hardships is create these power levels where, yes, when you create your characters, you are more powerful to start out, but the world is also more difficult for you. Um, this goes through... Uh, you know, th th Our system uses target numbers for unopposed checks, and uh, those numbers scale based on what the power level of the game is. Um, so if you're in a power level three game, which I, when I play tested power level three, it was with superheroes. Yeah. You know, so we did, we did a, a full like kind of galactic superhero game and uh, we, we used power level three. And so, uh, so those difficulties scale along with your, with your character. Now, the funny thing is in the power levels, there's, there's always this mundane uh, uh, target number and it's always 10, no matter what power level it is. And that's, and that's for specific things that, um, you know, wouldn't be any more difficult if you're super powerful or not, like open a door or break a, break a door. That's just a door. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't matter, right? It doesn't matter if I'm Superman or Jason Duff, it's still going to be, you know, the same thing. Right. And, and that maybe that's not the greatest example, but it's, it's things like that. Right. Um, so yeah, we, we felt that, you know, having this power level, uh, would, would make for, you know, do you want a gritty game? where you don't have a whole lot of abilities or ancestry traits or, uh, you know, your, your skills are less and all that stuff. Or do you want like a, do you want to play fantasy, you know, superheroes, uh, you know, and you, so you, like when I say you can play the game your way, you really can. And that, and that's really kind of uh, one of the things we do to, to enforce that and like all the abilities and things like that they all scale along with power level if they need if needed right and this all comes from a lot of pl like play testing understand what needed to be what you need to say scales versus what doesn't um you know like weapon damage doesn't scale with power level because it doesn't need to where armor does actually yeah um things like things like that yeah right? i was looking at like for creating adversaries like you have mm -hmm. how to create power level one two yep. three me personally just the type of games that i i like to play i would probably play power level one i like simpler games yeah. i like more gritty like noir uh very low fantasy yeah. hard sci-fi uh so you per so i want to ask you personally what kind of like if you were to pick a power level like for you doesn't matter the system but what kind of game do yeah. you like to play i i typically like to play those gritty games too um typically like uh the game uh, the game i'm playing right now, i'm playing paladin i don't know if you are familiar with that is a um it's a spinoff of Pendragon. Okay, there I'm right? familiar with and, Pendragon. 
Yeah, it, it's it's Paladin is like Charlemagne instead of Arthur. Okay. Anyway, it, it's it's extremely gritty, <laughs> and uh, I, I like those gritty. I like the games, and you can see this in des- the design of the game where, you know, if you mess up, you can die. Right. I don't. I I've never liked games where you just have infinite hit points and you just just it's super hard to hurt you or do anything like that. I I like I like kind of the muck the games where you're actually fighting to survive and and do things right instead of just your your victory is only a two hour session of rolling dice away yeah right for sure so So speed of rolling dice what's the core mechanic for this game so i know a lot you know people want to know like what are you doing to resolve actions Yep. So um, Heroes and Hardships is a D10 dice pool system. Uh, it, it's a rolling keep. So you will add your attribute and your skill together to uh, roll your to find out what your pool is you're rolling, and you will keep your um, dice uh, equal to your attribute. Um, and then you add them together, and that is your total. Um, so this is, uh, for those who are familiar with, uh, Legend of the Five Rings, first through fourth edition and seventh C, basically the John Wick games, yep. uh, the, the dice mechanics ha- has some similarity to that, especially there, right? Now there's, there's things that you can do with your, with your, um, dice pool that changes, for instance, a benefit. So a benefit is your main, um, bonus to your roll right and that and that is you add a rolled dice okay it's very simple you don't add a kept dice but you add a rolled dice so let's say for instance your your um attribute is let's say you're rolling uh bludgeons so you have a hammer or something and that's a strength skill okay so all skills fall under some attribute so you you have a strength of four and your bludgeon is a two we'll say so you're going to roll 60 10 and you're going to keep four um and four is whatever your strength is right so and then you total that up and um that's your that's your result if you give it a, if you get a, a a benefit then you're going to actually instead of rolling six dice you're going to roll seven dice and you're still going to keep four um so that that's the that's the dice pool mechanic and then um there are other things that can uh, you know there's something called we call a pre-roll mod which is a modifier for the success of the roll and then there's a post-roll mod which this is like weapon damage typically uh or armor is that only gets counted if you're actually successfully hit or successfully hit something whereas you don't get like a you know, those don't help you hit, they help you either hurt or soak, whatever, things like that. And, and um, yeah, that's, that's the baseline uh, role mechanic. So I am a big fan of dice pool games. And this is like, I feel like this is only like the last like two years where I've kind of moved mm-hmm. to this direction. Thanks to like, I play a lot of year zero engine stuff from free league. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so mm-hmm. I love dice pools and I know that, yeah. um, I also my, my RPG Academy partner Michael also likes dice twelves. He's making a game all about dice pools with, but it's d twelves. Nice. Um, and nice. your zero uses d sixes. Mm-hmm. Why d tens? Well, uh, a couple of things. Well, first of all, when I first started this, it was really I was just playing around with the Legend of the Five Rings dice pool mechanics and seeing what I could do with those. I knew I wanted to create something, but I didn't really know what. Um, I knew I knew kind of the things I liked. And they use D10s. Um, and I, I I made a decision. I was it was either D6s or D10s. And since in our system, tens explode. Okay. Uh, so big fan so of you that. Can have some you can have some dynamic, you know, uh, and, and they'll explode. Like if you roll a 10 and then you roll another 10, it keeps exploding. Right. So that makes, um, the results kind of, un, you know, kind of, you know, a mystery, right. Yeah. It's very dynamic. It could, you could, and that's a combat roll. Somebody rolls a skill check and they, you know, roll a 50 or something because their dice are exploding. You could be in trouble. Uh, anyway, so I, I thought a 10% chance was, was better than uh you know on the d6 it's just too high i felt 
Um, so I, I, I stayed with D10s. I thought D10s were a common enough die, particularly for games that are uh, percentile based. Uh, I figured, oh, a lot of people have percentile based games too, so they can use their dice they already have for that. Um, so I didn't, I, I thought about D8s and D12s briefly, but I thought that those were probably not common enough um, to, to really use. And, and especially in bulk because this game you're going to need several d10s right you're not two d10s is probably not going to cut it right you need probably you know eight okay plus it's so it's i didn't even i i always forget about d8s like i just do yeah i just unless you're playing D and you got like what what is a long sword something just like d8 something like that you know i don't yeah that's funny also i i didn't even realize that this game had exploding dice and i can't remember what the first game i played it may have been open legend but just like having up there's nothing more satisfying than even though you know a player you've got this crazy cool monster you made but this player mm-hmm. just keeps on rolling and they're up to like an insane number of dice yeah. And just kills it yeah. with one hit. There's just something yep. really cool about that. I've, I've had it happen before. I made uh, that same game that I was talking about earlier. I made a, a like a sci-fi lich, and uh, I'd spent like hours making this thing. And that was just me because I, you know, whatever. I was fiddling around with it. That doesn't you don't have to take that long to make something. But uh, and uh, you know, they came in, and one of the guys just had a normal energy blast spell, and he just creamed it because he just. He just exploded all over the place, and yeah, that is so. There's like I would say, like for me, like there's just certain things in games that are just I feel like everybody should experience. One of them, like rolling on the critical table in Forbidden Lands, yeah. rolling yeah. on t- rolling. You've got advantage in D and D, and you roll two D twenties, and then also just continuing to roll exploding dice is yeah. also up there as just mm-hmm. like one of the most satisfying things to do in a role-playing game yeah. it's just fun yeah, exploding dice are awesome it's really yeah. there's this you get this excitement out of the table uh, especially at like con games that i've played with exploding dice just everybody mm-hmm. just gets so into it when it happens so much fun yeah so then all right so another thing that i saw about this is uh, everybody always likes to talk about Oh, how does your game do initiative? Like, how do you do that? So everybody's always trying to come up with a new way to do it, but you kind of eliminated it. All right. So what are you, what are you doing with combat rounds? So no combat rounds. Okay. Um, So we'll start there. Um, There is initiative, but it's only used to break ties and to start the game or start the combat. So, uh, which is a tie scenario because everybody has zero. Anyway, so I wanted to, um, in combat, there's a couple things I wanted to do, but uh, for this part, I, you know, I, I didn't like rounds because I find in games where there's rounds, which is most, a lot of times if, if you're not acting or not close to acting, you're not paying attention. You're just kind of like waiting for your next turn. You know, and that's wasted time for that person. Okay. That person has, you know, whatever responsibilities in their life and they're sitting down to game how many times, you know, whatever they're doing and, you know, what, and, and if combat, combat is going to take the longest, unless it's the most simplest thing ever, right. In a game, it's going to take some time. And if you're going to, if you're going to sit there and I, I feel like, you should be involved. And so what I did is I created um, something we call the combat track. So the combat track is a endless line that continues um, that I'm trying to think of how to explain it, that, uh, that judges where you, when you're going to act. Okay. Okay. So AP, um, so action points, uh, every action you do is going to cost some number of action points. And Heroes and Hardships has about 50 offensive actions and about 20 defensive actions in personal combat. It might sound like a lot, but I don't think it is. Um, because 
I, I feel like people, when they build their character, they're going to look at the actions they like to use for that character. And they're going to kind of, those are what they're probably going to do most times. Um, anyway, um, so the, the action or uh, the, the combat track, everybody starts at zero when, when combat starts. You do roll initiative. Uh, and then whoever has the highest initiative goes first. That's not, not no different than normal. But they're going to pick an action that... Uh, you know, cost some sort of uh, number of action points. Let's say they pick a run, uh, a run action, and they move 10 units or hexes. That's going to cost them five action points. The next person, let's just say it's a, a duel, two people to make it simple. The next person has a bow. And so this person's running towards them and they use the aim action. Uh, the aim action is variable. It can be one AP or five APs. Let's say they use two APs. So now you look on the, on the, on the combat track and you have the guy who acted first and ran uh, spent five AP and the person who aimed spent two AP. Well, who goes next? Well, in a round situation, the guy who ran would go next, but not in Heroes and Hardships. Heroes and Hardships, the person with the lowest AP always goes uh. first. So if you're tied, you look at the initiative. But in this case, the guy who's aiming only his he's he's did a faster action. So now he can actually shoot for three AP with a standard attack and go before the guy running at him. Now they're both at five AP after the resolution of the attack. And then whoever has the highest initiative will go next. So so it's like we're playing Frisbee golf. It's like the person who's or golf, the person who's in the back, yeah, they go first. So it's kind of like yes. a, it's it's like a little race, almost. Yeah, and 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 so that and that and that does a thing where you're actually kind of more engaged, looking like yeah. what actions can I do because this person, and and like dodging, uh, dodging, uh, blocking that that cost AP. So if you're attack, you can get overwhelmed and they can push your AP up. So if you're blocking constantly, that's one AP. If you're, if you dodge, that's one AP. So if you're getting surrounded and you're actually doing all these defensive maneuvers, you're getting slower as well as you're getting kind of overwhelmed. That's cool. Cause then so. you would almost like, you really do have to be engaged constantly because you have to be yeah. watching to see if it's your turn because it's always, that's all. It's always changing. Okay, that's sick. I dig yeah, it. So that's awesome. So then, um, so I wanted to ask you, going all the way back to the beginning, universal mm. role playing systems. Okay, some people are really turned off by them because they feel mm. like, oh, I've got too many options, or what? What do you mean? There's no story like to them. How would you veer those people towards a universal role playing game system? Well, I would say that um, a lot of people homebrew stuff all the time, right? With depending whatever it is, right? Um, I I feel that there's a great opportunity for GMs, particularly, to make their own stories or settings, or or you know convert whatever they want into their universal system. So, if you want to play The Witcher RPG or the Witcher setting, but you don't like the Witcher RPG, well, find something you do. Like I, I, I feel like this this push to get everything 5e based for people, it, it's just not a good fit for a lot of things. Just it's the core mechanic of the game lends to fantasy superheroes. And if you're not playing a game with fantasy superheroes, then it's not a good fit. That's my opinion. Right. I'm sure there's other people who disagree, but that's that's the way I feel. If you're going to play a, a modern detective game, tell me tell me what modern detective game there is. Right. What what are you going to do? You're going to play a City of Mist is the only thing I can think of. Do you want a more traditional game where you play a modern detective? Well, you need a universal system to do that, probably. Um, I, I think there's just a lot of opportunity to to play whatever you want. Uh, you know, you're not you're not constrained by a game that has the setting and the rule set combined. Um, you're you're really not constrained by that. Um, you know, you might like the setting and not like the system, 
right? You just don't, you don't have to worry about that with a universal system. You can make it what you want. Um, and, and we will support the, the system with settings coming out for sure. I have an announcement in a couple of weeks about a setting that we have licensed uh, that will be coming out next year. Um, and uh, I, I think that uh, people really can, uh, you know, do whatever they want, right? And, and you know, if, if you wanted to play Dark Sun or something from, you know, the AD&D data Planescape, you could do that in a universal system. If you don't, you know, wow, oh, I'm waiting for 5e Dark Sun. Well, it's probably never going to happen. So, I mean, why don't you look at something else, right? I, I, I guess that's just, you know, things like that. So, yeah, no. So I am known for having, in our podcast circle, for having many hot takes about this very subject. Um, and yeah, D&D was uh, 5e. It was designed for fantasy. That's kind of, yeah. whereas I feel like a most universal systems, their design intent is to kind of, it's to cover a wide base, Right. So mm -hmm. the well, how would you think about because there there is this whole idea of uh, there's these conflicting statements that I hear all the time. So obviously there's this whole idea of like people are like, well, you can use five E for so much stuff, but then there's also people who say settings sell systems. So how would you kind of respond to like this whole idea of like settings selling systems? Um, I, you know, I'm not sure it's true. Yeah. Um, tell me th this, this may be a, a little bit of a bad example because it's D&D, &D, but tell me is Forgotten Realms selling D&D? &D? I, I don't think so. Um, it's D&D &D selling D&D. &D. Now that, now that's marketing power, right? Yeah. And that's not necessarily, oh, I want to roll a D. 20 and get some modifier and you know whatever but but I, if i think of other things is like you know you see all these um you know D, &D uh settings like third party settings coming out um i don't know that the setting is actually selling those books anyway yeah right you you might see like a, a setting um like let's look at legend of the five rings i i think i think Basically, I think it happens both ways. I think um, I don't think you're going to buy a universal role-playing game system unless you intend to use it for various settings. Um, and I, I think that people like they bang their head over like, how can I make Five E do this thing? And I think it's just, I think it's not necessary. Yeah. Right. It's like you don't need to to do 5e and everything it's not suited for everything yeah. and people just want to use the and i'm not disparaging 5e i mean that's that's a different conversation entirely yeah. but it's just not it's not meant it's not built for everything and ev anything in my view it's built for fantasy superheroes so not a gritty like you're talking about the most high fantasy thing you can possibly you know do and yeah with a lot of professional work you can make it into something else like I, I you know adventures in middle earth did like cubicle seven did and now that free league is going to do but it's i mean it's just I, it's not necessary i think yeah no I even even if you're not going to use heroes and hardships it's not you know Exactly. So what was so for example, I, I think I go I go back to like my like I was saying, I started out with five E and we still I still play fifth edition when I'm playing like a high fantasy game. Mm -hmm. If I'm gonna do high fantasy, you know, fifth edition. If I'm gonna do low fantasy, I'm playing Forbidden Lands. So like there's different things. But yeah. what we did was we were we were playing 5e, and me and all my players, we're all new to the to RPGs. And we're like, well, we wanna we want to do something different. And we didn't know, like, we were like, well, how, we can't do this. Like, we wanted to do a time travel story. And we didn't yeah. know all the settings. Like, we, I mean, we didn't know right. all these different systems that were out there because we were so fresh to it. So then we just kind of stumbled across Open Legend. And so we're like, oh, that's, so with that game, it's not a skill, but you make your own skills. Um, but so we're like, 
oh man, this is great. We can make a time travel game. And so we made a time travel game where one of my players was, we had our, our, our play group consisted of Teddy Roosevelt, Nikolai Tesla, Jackie Kennedy, and Tom Cruise. And they were, That's perfect. and so we were like, and so, but we we're like, okay, because one of my players really wanted to play Tom Cruise. <laughs> and we're like, well, you can't play Tom Cruise in D&D. <laughs> so, okay, what are we going to do? And so we have settled on Open Legend. It still was like one of the best experiences we've ever yeah, had. That sounds like a game I want to play. Yeah. I, I tell you that. That sounds great. So yeah. it kind of, what that did though was playing that universal system kind of, it kind of showed us how to use systems in a different mm-hmm. way and how we could leverage different systems to to play different styles of games and so that was that's one of the things that i always tell people like if you haven't tried out a universal system like there is a lot of cool things that you can do with them so yeah for sure yeah so then let's talk then about the kickstarter and the actual the actual product then uh because sure. this is it's coming soon it's coming soon. Uh, so it should be next month. Um, we have our pre-launch page up right now. Um, so uh, everything is, uh, the book is almost entirely finished as far as the digital version. Um, it is, uh, pro- I just need a little bit more art. And uh, you've seen that you've seen the finished product. Yeah. So um, you can kind of attest to that. It's uh, 248 pages of um so there's no there's no setting stuff in there like we talked about it's all rules um there's optional rules there's there's just hundreds of um options for your character uh both uh, abilities skills ancestry traits um equipment uh adversaries um just anything you probably could ever want how to build i always felt like uh, tell me as a GM how to build my own adversaries, enemies, and we we've definitely done that. So you can build anything you want. Um, that the sky is the limit. I think um, our Kickstarter itself. Uh, you, there's a, a few pledges. Uh, there's a digital tier for twenty dollars, um, which you'll get the PDF, and you'll get the PDF. Uh, anybody who uh, pledges uh, gets the PDF, um, and you'll get that uh, a pr- uh, like. Um, uh, a early access version of it as soon as the funds clear on Kickstarter, you'll get that. Uh, you know, it might not have any, um, uh, you know, all the art, but you'll you'll have, you know, ninety percent of what's going to be in there. Um, so you know, you'll you'll be able to play right away. We have a character sheet on Roll Twenty, so if you use VTTs, you can immediately play. Uh, you'll have you'll have the physical character sheets too that you can print out and and form fillable as well. Um, so that's the digital tier. Uh, then we have the print tier, which is fifty dollars, um, and this uh, includes the digital tier as well. Um, and uh, this is a, a soft touch matte hardcover book uh, printed by the same folks that do a lot of stuff for Modifius and Free League. Um, so it's a very well-renowned printer, you're going to get a bookmark, you're going to get that soft touch mat, uh, you're going to get a silk coating on FCS paper, um, Very, it's going to be a very nice book, um, and uh, a ribbon as well. Um, so, and in that tier also includes every single PDF we have released uh, as a publisher. Um, so, so far, so that's 28 PDFs. Most of these are adventures for third-party systems. It's just kind of like a thank you for, um, for, you know, supporting us in this Kickstarter. Um, and then if you go a little higher, there's a $75, uh, pledge where you will also receive print on demand at cost print on demand codes for those games, if they have them, which, uh, a significant portion do uh, through drive-through RPG, and then um, besides retailer pledges, there's one more, and it's a big one. It's a $500 pledge, and this pledge will get you any digital um, game we ever release in the future. So, if we release uh, a setting for Heroes Hardships or other, um, you know, supplements, you will get those in digital format um, as well. Um, so, uh, yeah, those, those are our main pledge. We try to keep it simple. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, yeah. And then there's a bunch of retailer pledges. If you're a retailer out there, uh, you can buy the game at 50%, um, 
So, and also uh, all our pledges, at least for the, the print and the um, digital is $5 off uh, what it will be at retail. So it'll be a $25 PDF and a $55 book uh, at retail. So you're getting a little bit of a discount there too by coming through the Kickstarter. And I will say, you kind of you kind of mentioned that like, you're like, oh, we still need to, we're still in the process of adding more art. There's, I will say this, you all have so much art. And yes. which is great for a universal system because a lot of them, they just don't, uh, for one reason, it's like they kind of just kind of leave it up to the, the people to kind of imagine. Yeah. You don't want to put ideas. But there is, I'm a sucker for two types of art. All right. I'm a sucker for spaceship art, good spaceship art, and then also like good gothic horror art. And there is like, I'm just like looking at right now this headless horseman over like with yeah. a blood moon and like a torch for a head on a horse. And oh, I'm like, it's so good. And the other cool yeah. thing I got to give you props too. I know there's a, you got a lot of artists on this mm-hmm. and there's a lot of different genres here, but they all still feel very cohesive. Yeah. For, for the most part, I, I picked them. Um, so what I did is I just basically went and found all the art I liked in books and I reached out to those artists and I said, hey, and I like that that's uh, more realistic style. Yeah too so that that's kind of what i went for and the, and, and the, a lot of the people have different styles but but it's all pretty cohesive as, like you said and one of my favorite things is doing the art direction for this book and I, I did the art direction is is really being able to say i want this bizarre genre of yeah of thing right and a lot a lot of actually these pieces of arts are scenes from games i've played or gm'd oh, um, that's sick like yeah, so I, I was able to kind of immortalize those things in, in the game, too. It was, it was actually quite fun uh, being able to do that. This, so. uh, there really is, like, some, like another... I'm just, like, looking at it. Like, the vehicle section yeah. with, like, a robot or some guy in armor on a motorcycle being chased by a car. It's just, yeah. it's like, a Neo-Tokyo setting. It's just yep. so cool. So, yeah. lots of great stuff here. So then, all right, so as we wrap up, is there anything else you feel like I got to tell people about this game. Well, I think, I think, uh, you know, we plan uh, to support this game for as long as I'm doing this. Right. And, and I don't see myself stopping anytime soon, uh, hopefully. And so uh, you're going to see, like, uh, if you look in um, when, when you, when you're able to look at the Kickstarter page, you'll see our, our stretch goals and, you know, they're included uh, adventures. There are expansions to the bestiary. Um, you know, uh, a GM screen, things of that nature. So we're going to have a lot of things coming down the pike. So don't think that you're going to buy this, you know, this game and you're never going to see anything about Heroes and Hardships again. Uh, It's just not going to happen. And I feel that people that want to tell their stories and players that want to play any character without the constraints of a class or, you know, anything, you know, like that, this is the system for you. Um, I, I think that this is a particularly people who want a more um, scalable solution for their universal, you know, role-playing games. They can play the gritty and the super fantastical, like we talked about earlier. Uh, I don't believe that's really possible in a lot of other universal systems. They're built for one style of play. Yeah, uh, I believe Savage World is is built for pulp, right? And GURPS is built for gritty simulation of style you don't have to do that with heroes and hardships you can play one that's one way and one that's another way um, and that's by our optional rules that you can tweak um, i think that uh, you know we didn't touch on it much but our magic system is very extremely flexible uh, i've never uh, besides systems that you basically make up the spells yourself like magic or not magic but uh mage yeah uh, you know, I, I feel that this is the most flexible thing that you can have with, you know, rote, uh, rote, you know, spells. And I, I think that there's just a lot uh, in this 248 page book that you can uh, use to play any setting, any genre, any character that you want. And uh, I'm here to support it. And so is my company. And I really would appreciate people to take a look at the Kickstarter yeah. and, uh, and back at whatever level that you, uh, you would like. And uh, I really appreciate everybody for listening to this and for you having me on. 
Yeah, so no, this is super cool. It's exciting what you have going on. So uh, best of luck So with everything. And where can people find you on social media? Yeah, you can find, uh, you know, we have a Twitter. It's at uh, five games. And uh, we have uh, Facebook, which if you just search five games, uh, Earl of five games, uh, you can find that. Uh, our website is fivegames.com, which is a, a good place to uh, get in contact or, you know, uh, find us on Discord. We have a Discord as well, which is linked there. Um, so, yeah, that that's where to find us and, uh, you know, our Kickstarter page as well. So. Awesome. We will make sure to include all those links in our show notes. So, Jason, once again, thanks, sir. Thanks for coming on and chatting. So, Thank you. Yeah, no problem. So, folks, as always, definitely go check out Heroes and Hardships. And this is Tom with the RPG Academy. And as we like to close every episode, do not forget, if you're having fun, you're doing it right. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening to the RPG Academy podcast. We do this show out of love for the hobby and the desire to be ambassadors, welcoming more people into this community. All of our website content will always be free to use and utilize. But there are expenses related to the show. And if you enjoy what we do here, then please consider supporting us in some way. You can do so as simply as rating or reviewing us on iTunes or your podcatcher of choice. If you're going to purchase anything through Amazon or DriveThruRPG, consider using our affiliate links first, and then we'll get a small percentage sent back to us. You can do a single direct donation through PayPal using the paypal.me slash the RPG Academy, or consider joining our Patreon campaign at patreon.com slash the RPG Academy. And for a donation as low as $1 a month, you'll get access to lots of extra goodies, including bonus minisodes, invites to monthly one-shot games, one-sheet adventures, and more. Please consider following us on Twitter and Facebook, or join our Discord, where we like to try to keep the conversation going with our fans as best we can, and are always looking to talk and chat more. Or do none of that. Just continue to listen and enjoy our show. Because honestly, that's enough. Thanks. And remember, if you're having fun, you're doing it right. We'll see you next time. The music used for our intro and outro is Fly a Kite by Spectacular Sound Productions, used under the Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike License.